Hello, and thanks for joining us. You're listening to Tascam On Air, the official podcast of Tascam. I'm your host, Sean. Listen along as we explore podcasting, sound design, indie filmmaking, vlogging, recording, and more with a host of legendary Tascam artists, producers, and other major players discussing their personal techniques and philosophies. Our guest this week is an engineer, studio owner, and multi-instrumentalist who has an affinity for keeping his local music scene thriving through building up the community. Please welcome Matt Mulchaney. All right, Matt, thanks so much for joining us on Tascam On Air, the official podcast of Tascam. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good. To, yeah. Yeah. Anytime, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you. And um, even though this isn't a video podcast, we've got mm-hmm. you, know, you and I are doing video and I see a really nice rack uh, behind you there. Of, uh, oh, awesome yeah. 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 Uh, let's see if I can sneak, sneak a peek. Oh, I just pulled my monitor out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Looking nice. Down to the floor. And then uh, there's a little, what's it? The Tascam 38. Eight track one inch machine over there that I used on uh, the band lab stuff. Nice. Before uh, SSL summing mixer, my bus EQ, which is the old URI thing. Fun stuff. Nice. Awesome. Vibey stuff. That's cool. That's cool. And so this is, you are in your studio right now. This is Shard's recording studio? Yep. Shard's recording studio. Awesome. Um, and, um, just so people, you know, if they have FOMO or something, they can probably go check out your studio on like Instagram or social media and, and get some good, yeah, yeah, good looks. I post it. a lot of pictures of the of the gear porn kind of stuff on on uh, Instagram, and I like doing weird stuff and make, getting weird sounds and like exploring a lot. So I kind of log my little explorations on there, and awesome. um, my website has the full gear list as well. Cool, awesome, yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, so you are an engineer. Uh, recording, mixing, mastering. Uh, I'm assuming you do some producing in there too. That's a yeah, yeah, popular thing for studio owners. Yeah, nice. So, um, so you opened up Shards. Um, when did you when did you open that? And uh, how long have you been in that location, or have you moved around? No, I, I mean, I I did a uh, a bunch of moving around in my uh, early 20s, where I kind of hopped around and recorded just in wherever whatever space I could turn into a studio, basically. Um, but Shards has been here for almost 14 years. Oh, nice. Um, I started it when I moved back to the East Coast after living in Los Angeles for a while. And um, it kind of started as like a rehearsal kind of thing with a whole... I, I, I leased it and then I sublet it to other people, used it to record my own bands, got little recording projects here and there. But I was actually, um, I moved back and took a job as like a social worker working with people with mental illness for a while. Oh. And I really loved that job so much that I, I stayed part-time with that and part-time with audio. So for the first like five or six years of being back here on this coast, I did both part-time. And then uh, in like 2015, there's enough uh, enough work. There probably always was enough work. I just loved the social work job. But there's enough work in 2015 to where I just said, hell, I'm just going to go for it. And uh People have just been supporting me since. It's been great. That's awesome. That's good to hear. That's yeah. yeah. It's a testament to the the scene here too. Like I always love this area. I actually moved back and thought it was going to wind up in Brooklyn or Philly or something like that. And then I was like, there's some cool stuff going on here. Like some good like underground stuff happening. Like there are these like you know punk bands that came out of here that ended up signing to like sub pop and stuff. And oh, people wow. are experimenting and like cool stuff. So I just stuck around and tried to make it better. Nice. That's awesome. That's cool to hear. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've found success, uh, you know, uh, which is measured differently from person to person. Um, but that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so as, aside from owning a studio and being an engineer, um, you're also a multi-instrumentalist, correct? Yeah. 
yeah, um, that's kind of where the production things starts to overlap into the the engineering thing. Um, since I was like two or three, literally two or three, I started playing whatever instruments were left around the house. Oh. Uh, my dad also was kind of part time music, part time doing other stuff. So he would gig and instruments would disappear. Then he'd come back, instruments would be there, a drum set would be here one week, and then a, a keyboard would be here the next week. So I kind of became a jack of all mediocre of of all trades <laughs> because stuff was like speckled about here and there pretty much when i was a kid so yeah. i started le learning different instruments and stuff and he also left around a four track um originally he had a yamaha four track and then we got a tascam uh i think it was the 424 and that was what i pretty much learned how to capture and create sounds with and that's that's literally how i spent my like early years like i'm talking like single digits like mm -hmm. i would just sit there and try and figure stuff out like uh sequencing synthesizers into four tracks and stuff like that Very so cool. i've had all that stuff around for a really long time so it kind of developed an appreciation for every piece of the puzzle i guess so it helped me out now um being a multi-instrumentalist where i can hear i can hear where people are coming from and i can help guide them towards what i think is like what they're shooting for you know what i mean yeah so absolutely. even if i'm not playing on everything for everybody it helps me understand where they're coming from yeah that's cool. Um, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the uh, the 424 was also my introduction to multi-track recording, too. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's such a classic piece of gear. It's great. Um, so, uh, and I might be saying this wrong. Um, you had a, a group, I don't know if it's still together or not, uh, Voir Voir, is that how you say it? Yeah, Voir uh, Voir. Voir Voir, gotcha. What, whatever, little, yeah. Uh, I should have I picked up on the, uh, the oh, French okay. aspect in there. But um, So, are, I mean, are, is that group still together? Are you still doing things? Yeah, we are. Um, it's my partner, April, and I, who's sick today. Uh, we write music together, and then we have some really close friends who we bring it to. One of my best friends, Joe, plays guitar. Our friends, Tim and Ange, are the rhythm section. Um, they're married. It's just a real cool, like, tight-knit unit of, of buddies. Uh, you know, we used to do stuff. Like, we did South By. We played with the Flaming Lips. We had all this, that kind of, you know, fireworks were going off for us, you know, that kind of stuff. And then our friend got sick, so we slowed down, and... Uh, it's a couple of years past that now, so we're kind of like picking it back up and making a new release and just kind of, you know, feeling ourselves again and everything like that. Very cool. But yeah, we're, we're digging back in. So as far as, as uh, Blah Blah goes, what's the, um, when you're uh, performing or, you know, playing on the record, what is mm -hmm. your, what is, what are your duties with that? Are you the guitarist or what do you do there? Yeah, I sing and play guitar. Um, I tend to kind of overlap into April, the keyboard uh, player. Um, she kind of has like a, a very spacey kind of textural thing that she does with keys. So I kind of do the very like overt in your face stuff, but then I kind of sometimes crossfade into her stuff too. Yeah. So we kind of become this one big monster voice together in a way. That's But, cool. uh, for the, for the most part, just, uh, you know, a little bit of guitar, guitar work, weird guitar stuff and vocals for that band. Mm -hmm cool there's um my introduction to the band was uh, a song called there are no good goodbyes um oh cool which i like a lot and thank you what struck me about that is because like well everything is like this i mean i guess i could i hate doing it but like I hate classifying things but maybe like this uh maybe like a an indie rock sort of vibe to everything. But on that particular track, the one thing that caught me, like I said, that was my introduction. The one thing that caught me with that is it starts off in a very sort of modern pop sort of way. Um, uh, well, 
the modern pop. I know is what not, you mean. Yeah, you know, like a like a Lord, like a lo-fi sample or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. and then it builds up and picks up and just like smashes into this drony, spacey, ethereal rock thing going on. And um, I don't know. I really like that song a lot. I like that record. Thank you. Um, so everybody can go check that out on Spotify. V-O-I-R, V-O-I-R. Yeah, that's, a, that's good stuff. Or wherever else, if you're not a Spotify guy, then <laughs> uh, yeah. direct them elsewhere by all means. But no, that's cool. I it's really, all on Bandcamp too. We have uh, some recent singles we did over the last like year and a half on Bandcamp as well. Oh, awesome. Oh, I have to check yeah. that out. Yeah, the one actually has kind of that sample lo-fi thing again. That's 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 April's whole thing. She has a uh, Contact 8 on a laptop, and she builds keyboards out of other samples. Yeah. So she'll take like a Casio, sample my voice, her voice, and our friend's voice, and then put that as a layer on one key, and then like stack a string on that, and then spread this out across the whole keyboard, and that's her sound. Um, the opening of There Are No Good Goodbyes, that's me in like 2009 or 2010, at Ringing Rocks in Pennsylvania, going, yeah, from like 150 feet away. And she got it with the Zoom and then chopped it up later. And that's her sample. Nice. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the kind of that's the kind of stuff we're into. Well, so we love incorporating those those cool textures like that too. Yeah, it's very cool. There's a lot going on in that song, um, but yet still somehow strikes me as kind of minimalist at the same time. I don't know, but there's definitely there's, yeah, it's uh, it's it is. cool. I'm I'm I was uh, enjoying that. Um, but since you mentioned the sample thing, you've you've created some uh, sample packs, have you not? Yes, yeah. yes, for BandLab. That's an amazing platform. Very cool. Um, yeah, do you know about much about BandLab? Uh, I'm I have a passing familiarity. I don't know a lot about it, but why don't you? Yeah, why don't mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, it's it's just it's pretty pretty quick and to the point. Like it's an online collaborative music making platform that's free that you could load free samples that they provide basically. So anyone anywhere in the world can do like cloud based creation with another person. Um, you can look up like trumpet players in Allentown or Bethlehem <laughs> or something like that to have them come guest on your stuff too. It's cool. It could kind of. You see, finally, you know, there's a very uh, organized way to have a community about stuff. And I think it's kind of being treated like a resource, which I'm really into. I think it's like expanding with the idea of what resources could be for people. Um, I mean, that's freedom. That, you know, I think that's, yeah. that's it's super cool that they kind of have something out there for free like that. Um, and, you know, having an outlet for people. Uh, you know, like I, I found music when I was a kid, but like, you know, I had some dark times too. And like what I was doing in the dark times was not doing music. So if this keeps yeah. people doing music even more, you know, um, uh, can help keep you on the right track. So there's so many, so many benefits to it and it's really cool and, uh, intuitive. And they were nice enough to ask me to do like a, a sample pack of just anything I could think of pretty much just take the studio and turn it, turn it into an instrument pretty much. That's awesome. So I did, uh, I did one called analog haze, um, that featured uh, a bunch of keyboard sounds and like uh, one shots, and I sampled my drum set through the uh, Tascam th- uh, 48. Sorry, Tascam 48. Um, I did a couple more. I did three more that are coming out with uh, just drum loops, and then working on like a full band one where a band actually came in, and they're going to basically play like little riffs and stuff like that that people can drop and kind of make indie rock songs out of. Oh wow, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, they're uh, kind of expanding into that a little bit more now. 
That's very cool that they approached you about doing that as well. Like they're like, "Oh, we got to get this dude in here to make some samples." Yeah, for, yeah, that's very awesome. Yeah, the rep just found me on Instagram and just liked kind of the vibe of the stuff that I post and the stuff I work on, and listened to some albums I did, and just hit me up, and that was that. It's been a, a year of making sample packs for them. It's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've we've mentioned indie rock a couple of times here. Is that something that you tr- tend to gravitate towards with production, or I mean, is that like what you love to produce the most? or you know where where are you at on that spectrum yeah i mean i think uh i always connected with earnest sounding music that didn't sound too overproduced like i heard pavement for the first time when i was like 13 and i was like yeah this is it they sound (laughs) they don't they don't care at all that's beautiful and it it struck me so hard i was like wow because i was so into like synthy stuff and programming synths and like recording sequencing and stuff like that when i was like 12 and 13 i heard that and was like this makes so much sense like that hit me and i think it always stuck with me that there's kind of this uh uh this real thing the less the less you kind of throw on something and i try and only throw stuff on when i feel like it's enhancing where you're trying to go with the song and it's part of the art like Obviously, with Vava, you heard that song, like, this stuff is swirling around and all kinds of stuff is happening, and it's both minimalist, yet there's a lot of production value to it at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the world I kind of live in, you know, cool. where I'm trying to straddle that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, and then, I'll throw a string section on if someone wants. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can you can go uh, above and beyond with production if it, you know, if it does serve the song, you know, yeah, there's yeah. that, there's that whole thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm very into that as well. Like the, the minimalist idea and raw and uh, yeah. So anyways, I'm on the same page as what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with g- going in lots of different directions with that. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like you said, it's all about serving the song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you also, uh, I read that you do um, a, th- a thing with uh, NPR in your area called Shard Sessions or Shards Session. Is that? Um, yeah, through uh, it's Tape Swap Radio Shard Sessions. And then Tape Swap also does rooftop sessions where we will film something on a rooftop and uh, lug out my, my mobile setup and everything. Uh, and yeah, so they're, they're played back on our NPR affiliate WDIY, which is like a commu- community radio, uh, yeah. public radio station. So that's who broadcasts all the NPR shows in our area. And uh, every other Friday, we have a session ready, we, uh, we put it up. Um, it's a really great way to have people locally discover new bands. Um, it's also, I think, really important for bands to uh, have a sense of place by seeing themselves and their peers on a program like this and know that, hey, they could one day be on a radio show and they could one day do a rooftop session. And it kind of makes you develop this sense of place and this uh, feeling of pride about your area, seeing that these things can happen. So the idea was it wasn't just to kind of showcase stuff. It was also to kind of give a sense of place to everything and kind of motivate people to, you know, push themselves further and keep writing songs and keep playing music. Then this could be a, a way you have an outlet. Yeah. Yeah, I like the, um, I don't know, man, I like the uh, mentality behind of a lot of the things that are driving you. And I can't help but think that's from the uh, social work background, because you're doing things that are for the well-being of other people, like throughout, that seems to be like kind of a theme, whether it's just lifting somebody up or yeah. you know, whatever else. And I really like that a lot. That's uh, like, I came up in like a DIY punk scene. And that that's was where I'm from, too. Yeah, like mid nineties. And that was like a huge thing. That was such a huge thing. And I feel like that's been lost a little bit. Like it's still there, but it's just in my, my experience, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. But, uh, I do love that, that you're doing that. That's fantastic. That's right. That's right where I'm at too. That's, that's what I came from too. And I realized that it wasn't just about, um, you don't just get a venue and then, 
have your band headline and people show up and that <laughs> that matters or anything like that. Like that's not that's nothing. Yeah, and, and paying to play and five different bands who don't know each other sell twenty tickets and somebody makes money and they don't know what the hell's happening. Like that stuff doesn't foster anything. You know, like more capitalism. That's another discussion. But that um, <laughs> doesn't do any. That doesn't do anything for anybody. Like you're, it's all about community. Yeah, that's where the strength in everything comes from. From everybody, it's it's the people around you. Yeah. You know, and uh, you help everyone around you, it only helps you too, if you're going to look at it a little bit selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just, I, I have this vision for this area and I, I'd i like to see it like replicated by other cities. And there's some things we're doing that I don't think even like a city, like a Brooklyn has. Like we have a free public uh, recording studio in our library. Oh, wow. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I should have told you about that before, but I installed a recording studio. Our library was a punk in the 90s. Our, our library director, he was a punk in the 90s, and so he's all about it. Our mayor is a year younger than me. Oh, wow. So I can tell him, like, hey, I want Tascams everywhere. Um, we can record ourselves. Every every venue that's city-related can record record shows and broadcast shows, and he's all about it. He's digging up money for that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like a sea change. Um, I think we're really learning how to take care of our people here in Bethlehem. Cool. Um, we're not like super far, um, but we're getting there. And I think it's something that like, instead of waiting for people to stop arguing about things at a federal level, we're making stuff happen for people right here, right now. Which I think is beautiful. Yeah. And also, you know, baby steps, you got to just get there. You know, it's just one step at a time and uh, get there. That's, yeah. that's awesome. And also, uh, I like that you mentioned that just then, because I, I do know that you were, um, you were looking for some model 24s and I knew it was for mm -hmm. like some sort of like community thing. And so is that what you're doing there is, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we got two of them so far. Cool. Um, the library got one because, so I started working on that install and everything. And then their library board knew somebody. So they had this guy who was like a professor buy some stuff for the studio and he bought a Behringer X32 and no one knows how to use it. It gets <laughs> screwed up every, every two days someone has to go in and factory reset it. Cause like the, the average public per person using it doesn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? I don't expect them to. So we got a 24 in lieu of that now so that you can just plug and play and record, you know, 20, yeah. 24 tracks at a time if you need to. Um, we got one for Southside Arts District, who um, they do shows on the South Side. We got a stage too, so now Southside can use that one to throw shows over here and record everybody live. If you want, you just hook up a laptop, um, and then I'm shooting to get two more for two more city-related venues. Oh, well, cool. and uh, we should be pretty set then. That's wild that you have uh, <laughs> recording facilities in your public library. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's... Sign it out like a book. Yeah. So anybody can go in there. So you just go to the public library. You're like, oh, my buddy's band wants to record. I kind of know how to run a mixer. So then yep. they can just go. That's that's uh, yeah. very that's interesting. It. Um, they also, they got some grant money to pay engineers too. So if someone doesn't have an engineer and the library wants to assign them one, they have a roll sheet of people who will work for certain amounts of money and how many hours they can get. Um on the grant money. So there's enough grant money to pay for like a four hour session with somebody making kind of like a, a starting rate, but like still, you know, making something, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's actually a place of work for some engineers around here too, getting like cutting their teeth. And like, there's a kid who's just out of Berkeley who works there like twice, three times a week. There's wow. a dude who's making guitar pedals out of it. Like oh, wow. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's becoming a hub. That's very cool. Well, good work on that. Was that like kind of your brainchild? Was this something that you came up with and then started pitching it to the appropriate people? That one, I, the director and I talked about that like five or six years ago. 
And then he was kind of like, yeah, well, maybe we can get like a, you know, one button thing or something like that. And then he got some money and then we just went buck with it. Um, <laughs> I did a whole campaign on social media to get donations and everything. So it is completely beyond furnished, like two drum sets, piano, vintage synthesizers, organ, like actually a pretty, pretty dope mic collection. Like we packed it with stuff, but it originally was kind of the, the director and I just talking about like maybe having like an interface or like something like that. But then they're like this, we have this space that we're not using for anything and we don't need the storage for extra books anymore. So it's a huge room too. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, we were kind of knocking it around as like a real simple thing years ago. And then it kind of just blew up. Yeah, man, I have to take, then, a, take a trip out there. I'd like to just see this place anyways. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, you can find it on uh, it's on Facebook. It has like a Facebook page, and I'm pretty sure if you look up like Bethlehem Public Library Studio Eleven, um, I think they have like a little part of their web page devoted to it too. It's uh, Studio Eleven, as in it goes to eleven. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they do Eleven Fest every year, where uh, bands range from quiet to loud and they have 11 bands play on 11 11 to raise uh, money for the studio <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> for their that's, next upgrade yeah man that's a yeah, good look marketing it up. Uh, it's yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah josh is josh is good with that i mean he did come up making punk flyers and stuff like that so <laughs> it's to be expected uh but so yeah I'm, absolutely you should definitely let me know if you're coming out here there's uh there's lots going on yeah. um there's always stuff going on, uh, musically, underground, everything. Yeah. So I want to take a little bit of a goofier sidestep here. I did see on social media, on your um, uh, on your studio Facebook page, I think is what it was. Maybe it was Instagram. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> you carved a PV pumpkin for uh, Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was correct. It looks so good, too. I've never seen someone you. carve a logo into a pumpkin so perfectly would, in my life. I was sweating bullets doing it. My, <laughs> you should ask my girlfriend. She was like, okay, you need to calm down. It's not a big deal. I was like in there getting that perfect. Uh, I forget how I even did it. No, I just took the PV logo, traced it to paper, and then put the paper on the pumpkin so it would kind of wrap around a little bit better oh, yeah. and kind of put points in about where it should connect. And then I kind of just did it by eye. Uh, it started as a joke. Like I think it was... My first, maybe fifth, one of my first five or so Instagram posts in like 2014 or 15, I stuck a PV logo on a pumpkin. Mm. And then like that became a joke that I would repeat every year. <laughs> and then like another side joke happened where um, actually Vava was in Brooklyn at uh, the Converse Rubber Track Studio. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. So Converse had like a recording studio. Um really nice studio api console and stuff um they had us come up to record a song in a day just for for fun basically they just have a band in for free give you shoes and you chill um but i brought the pv logo with me and we started rebranding everything pv that day (laughs) (laughs) there's a pv refrigerator (laughs) there's something funny about pv because everyone has played a pv at some point in their life oh yeah and it was probably like a basement show or like something shoddy in some way, but their stuff is super solid. I have to like say, PV is super solid. Their their uh, their bandit is like such a great clean amp. I, I love it. They shouldn't be a joke, but they kind of they kind of can be a joke sometimes. I think like Doomer kind of culture kind of grabbed it a little bit too. Yeah, which yeah. makes it funny. Yeah, uh, there's a there's like a group called Rigs of Dad on social media, and there's always a ton of PV stuff on there too. That but- that's absolutely. 
you know, everybody, I feel like most people probably, well, not most people, but a lot of people started playing with PV stuff. Like it was just, you know, you can yeah. get this little like eight inch speaker combo, you know, or whatever for your, you know, your like that in a metal zone or something. Oh yeah. God, absolutely. Mine was, the gr- <laughs> mine was the DOD grunge pedal though. That was the, <laughs> yeah, that's a good pedal. <laughs> yeah. I uh, actually like that pedal a lot now. Uh, I do. I don't. No, I don't think I have that any longer, which is a, a travesty. <laughs> it really is. So DOD, send one my way. But um, no, yeah, that's that's hilarious. Um, so, do you have any any projects like uh, bands that you're like working with in the studio right now? Anything exciting going on with that? Oh man, there's there's a lot. I mean, I always have about um, fifteen to like twenty or so active projects in in varying degrees. Um, it's a lot to keep track of. I mean, it's anything from like, it's a lot of on the indie side of things, but there's like a lot of, uh, you know, there's some people doing cool stuff that's on the lo-fi tip. Like they'll bring in their four track, like these guys living things yesterday. We transferred their four track and then overdub vocals here. And then I kind of mixed their Tascam four track through my old Soundcraft console, kind of like a premix. Okay. Put that in the box and overdub here. And like that has its own special vibe. Um, there's kind of a resurgence of uh, stuff with a kind of like punk twinge right now. Um, I mean, there's always like punk stuff around here, but there's a band, OK Buddy, who are doing like a melodic punk with a little bit of hardcore kind of thing going on, but their own like kind of newer spin, like kind of like turnstile and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, oh, man, what are they called? They're called Deathbag, Pale Fang. There's like this guy, Daniel Sadler, who I've been working with for like 10 years or so. He always brings me cool stuff that he's doing. It's always really dark and interesting. He used to do synthy stuff, but now he's doing more um, like 80s punk, but it it has like kind of like new wavy chorusy things going on and like samples and stuff like that. Okay. It's all from here. It's nice. uh, re- really interesting stuff. A band, This band, Food Truck, is writing like punk influenced pop, but it's not pop punk and it's still like really surly and aggressive at times and uh but also has like a little bit of a little bit of a sheen in ways too and like they're getting really good at writing melodies and hooks they're just getting better and better with that stuff it's cool it's just a bunch of people finding themselves it's super it's super cool i can't say there's any one standout when i'm like so invested in all of it you know what i mean yeah um very proudly so like i'm super super psyched on everything yeah with uh how's how's the the voivois record is that actually in production or is that um are you still writing for that uh it's actually pretty much written um we like i think we just got our last kind of demo basically done last night our drummer has a really cool setup at home um he builds microphones and stuff too has a really cool cool recording studio in his basement um he sent me a killer drum track last night. It reminds me of Pinkerton, kind of like Weezer Pink- oh, Pinkerton. Yeah. Love. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of my gold standard when it comes to drum sounds. Like, it's kind of like I get it to sound like that, and then I wait for people to tell me it shouldn't sound like that, and then I pull back. <laughs> <laughs> unpopular, love- unpopular opinion is I think that's their best record, by the way. Oh, but, God. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, people want to tell me I'm wrong all the time with that, but that's okay. That's opinions. But Oh, no. that's It's an opinion. Uh, my opinion is that it, that and the B-sides that kind of surrounded that era, I think that's the best Weezer uh, by far. Yeah. Um, it was brutal. Like the f- the fever that like everything rose to and then they released the green album which you go back and listen it was good enough but like having been obsessed with pinkerton it was uh 
It was a slap in the face, kind of. Uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was definitely so polished. Yeah, it was not what I was expecting when that came out. Not that at is all. for certain. That was not it at all. It, they went back to blue album, but more polished than that. Like, yep. more, it was yeah. But you know, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, Pinkerton all the way. Pinkerton oh, yeah. Club all the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Like that drum sound and in utero, uh, <laughs> that drum sound that Steve Albini got. That's like my favorite kind of thing, where a band just sounds represented, like what they sound like in the room it sounds like you're at a, a hall show or something and you can hear it hitting the concrete like that's like yeah. that's what i go for i i like to start there and then pull back from there yeah i'm only about half a mile i just live like half a mile from electrical audio like, oh no uh, way cool yeah, it's just like straight straight north of me right here but yeah super cool yeah love that place um yeah, yeah the band from here just uh recorded with him a couple months ago uh they like flew out there yeah that's cool i'd love to i'd love to check that spot out yeah I'm, Wait, is I'm, that where he Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I, what were you going to say? I was like, that, was that where he actually recorded in utero? Or was that like at Butch... Was not Butch Fix. It was, wasn't it someplace else in Minnesota or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think you're right about that. But yeah, yeah, I don't think in It's utero, still his so technique, that. though. Exactly, yeah. And that's... You know? Yeah. Uh, I've never produced anything at... Uh, or, you know, tracked anything at Electrical. But I went on a tour through there. Um, their nice. studio manager gave me a tour. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to check it out. The stuff that uh, this band Laurel Canyon from here did there, like it, it turned out really cool. Nice. It was kind of great. I mean, I, it was a uh, a little like interesting recording them at next. Like I was the next person to record them after Steve Albini recorded oh, them. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like okay, uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta step my game up on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, no, honestly, cool. I mean, he does his thing. I do my thing. Yeah. I kind of just looked at it like we're just gonna do what these songs need. I always come back to that. Like I kind of find my, my confidence and my center in like, no matter what, I'm going to make this the best, like it can be for what you were doing and for what the song needs. So oh, yeah. if I just keep that, in my mantra, it's going to turn out good. Yeah. There you go. Love to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so being that this is the task cam podcast, I'll, I'll bring this, uh, I'll bring this back around. So what was the first piece of uh task cam gear that, uh, that you used? It was definitely the, uh, the four, two, four. I think I had like, two different versions of that i think i might have been like nine or ten and then it disappeared and then it came back again um and i had like a tascam mixer of some sort around then too uh my dad had another part-time job at like a pro audio place um they just did installs and stuff but they'd wind up with like wacky stuff here and there and like sometimes some interesting things would come uh come home and then go away but i know he brought home a Tascam mixer that I actually did a record when I was like 15 on, oh, wow. um, on an eight track Tascam and a Tascam mixer for whatever reason. Um, that was the first stuff, the Tascam four, two, four. And I think I had a, that went away. And then I got another one, uh, that I brought out to California with me in my early twenties. Uh, so I had like a string of Tascam stuff and then, uh, ADATs in between that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I, I completely forgot that you told me that you were using a 424 when you were like less than 10 years old. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I got left alone with gear in front of me and I, you know, you're eventually going to figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I also saw, I saw on your website, on your gear list, you have a, a TAC Model 2. Do you still have that? Oh, yeah. It's, that uh, it's, I, I have it put away right now because I'm kind of redoing my room back here. Yeah. Um, I used that on an album like a little over a year ago. Uh, I, uh, and actually, I, I did a punk album where the vocals were both 
through my Neve with a condenser and then a little old uh, EV mic through that sucker, just juiced. Yeah. And I blended those together to give it like a real cool aggressive thing. Nice. Um, they're called Chisel Lilies. You check it out. It's kind of like a noise rock kind of punk thing, kind of like piss jeans-ish, uh, really cool, cool stuff. Um, and I used it on a, uh, a solo album by one of the guys in this band food truck that I'm working with currently. Um, he did his solo album almost entirely on an iPad with like GarageBand. Uh, so we did the transfers and everything and I was like, these still sound like iPad drums. So I'd say <laughs> 75% of the drums on his, uh, solo album that all, all program drums, they went through that thing and just like dimed and, and destroyed. Oh, he wow. does such a good job of destroying stuff. It's, it's great. It's like, and it somehow it doesn't get fizzy the top. It has like that crunch, but it doesn't have that splat, like the crappy splat that sounds like something's actually wrong. Yeah. It sounds intentional. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a beauty. That's going to be right next to the, SS, the SSL, believe it or not, um, as an effect, basically. Yeah. Like, it's literally going to be used as an effect, as an insert here and there. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I like, it seems like you really just like um, experimenting in the studio and like trying different things and just trying to craft very unique types of sounds and tones for stuff. Definitely. Well, I definitely like... I don't want to turn everybody's project into my personal experiment or anything like that. So when I do something, I definitely make a point to have like some kind of intent behind it. Um, I've tried so much stuff that like I know about what's going to happen if I do something. Sure. So, you know, like for example, this, this band catatonic sons, um, another great band from around here. Uh, we did uh, the solo for one of their songs on the 48 in free time from the DAW and then flipped the tape and then printed it over the, that section. And then yeah. we had a reverse solo and we had four of them to pick from. We used like four or five tracks on the on the 48, played it back in. It darkens it up a little bit, gives it some some weird vibes and stuff like that. And it, it doesn't sound like what would happen if you just reversed it in the doll. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And, and also the, the process right there, like you, you stop for a second and take stock of what's really happening in the song when you stop and like think, okay, we need to stop what we're doing play a solo into this thing five times and then we're gonna have to take a break again and be happy with what we did <laughs> and dump it in because we're not doing this again because it's gonna take 45 minutes to do it yeah. <laughs> so it makes you really deliver you know what i mean like sometimes these experiments uh not even just sonically but they drive a, a different point of view and like it makes you just want to commit to things and like gets better takes out of people yeah absolutely yeah it does <clears throat> the commitment thing is definitely yeah absolutely yeah, let's see. We, we're running running a little bit low on time here, but I do okay. want to. I do want to ask. So, um, I like getting uh, music recommendations from people. Is there anything? Um, I mean, I know you've just told me a whole bunch of bands that you've worked with to check out, but give me give me and the listeners uh, two records that you think we should be listening to right now. Oh boy, Put um, me on the spot. I know I'm on the spot. This is hard. I'm like the notoriously the worst when it comes to. Uh, picking favorites of anything uh <laughs> someone asked me my favorite color and i was like sorry hey <laughs> man I didn't, I didn't ask what your favorite records were i just asked give me two records you should be you listening to I should listen to yes well i gotta say i really was happy uh everything that this it's a local band from around here who they're actually flying to la to open for strawberry alarm clock pretty soon um this band catatonic suns from around here um we just go we go pretty deep when we're recording, and uh, I think everything turns out s super great, and it's a really cool mixture of 
90s grunge, a little bit of punk and shoegaze too. Oh, cool. Um, and it's these really young guys in their early 20s who just like obsessed about 90s bands. And it's cool to see someone like take that in and filter it out like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm going to give you two locals. I, I got it. And then good, good. another one that's uh, we're like in the process of wrapping stuff up is that that food truck band right now. Um, it, they have like a cool like punk influence, but also kind of like a 90s Weezer-y Nirvana thing going. But they still kind of have this like pop thing they're trying to do too. And it's uh, it's cool because they all just push and pull so much. So those are those are two good ones from around here that I dig what they do a lot. Nice. And I really, I love like everything I get to re- record around here. I'm super lucky that like everybody is really cool as people and the music they're doing is like, they're all trying hard to do their own thing, which is like what I love about this area. So those weren't by any means like my top two favorites. I just, sure. they both have a release that's pretty much done and you can check it out. Cool, cool. So- Catatonic Suns uh, yep. and Food Truck for everybody out there listening. Make sure yeah. you jam those. And yeah, and I wasn't trying to hint that those were your uh, favorites. Oh, I, or I know. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I need but, to work on it anyway. I'm glad you did that, you know. <laughs> My therapist will be happy. <laughs> Tell her all about it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, everybody out there can go check you out on social media. Um, they can they can go to what probably Facebook and Instagram at the very least and find yeah, Shards yeah. Recording I'm most studio. active on Instagram for sure. Okay. Uh, cool. Shards underscore recording underscore studio. Uh, but if you look up Shards Recording Studio, stuff will pop up. Cool. And then uh, also, uh, Voix Voix is out on, uh, you got Bandcamp, and I'm sure there's social media for that as well. So, everybody yep, needs to- Yep. We're on Instagram too. We're getting, we're slowly getting back into it. Awesome. So as as uh, as Matt said a little bit ago, it's all about the community, people. You gotta go, gotta go support your uh, your community and your local uh, acts here. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to, again, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I had a yeah, blast talking with you. Your studio looks cool as hell, um, and <laughs> um, your records all sound phenomenal. So, oh, thank uh, you. I love that. Yeah. So, but thanks for taking uh, time out of your busy day to join us, and uh, you know, maybe we'll check back in in the future and see what your uh, what kind of goodies you got cooking over there. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. 